Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. This week we have a very special treat for everyone. One Shot was hired by game designer Christian Allen to take a look at his newly translated role-playing game, Triniton. Triniton is a really interesting project. It's a role-playing game that is expressly trying to expand the hobby. Although there are a lot of elements in Triniton that resemble other role-playing games, a great deal of the book's layout and presentation is trying to break the mold and easily welcome in new people to the hobby. The game itself has an adjustable level of complexity that allows anyone to engage with the system. I think the closest comparison for the Triniton experience is a combination of Lady Blackbird and Numenara. Using Blackbird's approachable presentation and Numenara's rich, detailed approach to science fantasy. Although Triniton presents a fully populated world that can have endless adventures, the book is very much designed to tell a singular story. The quick start guide that Allen gave me provided very bare-bones information about the setting and a one-page explanation of the core mechanics of Triniton. My players and I used the little bit of setting information that we got to spin our own bonkers world that has only cosmetic similarities to your standard Triniton. If you're someone who listens to the show because you're thinking of getting into RPGs but don't know where to start, or you're always trying to rally people into playing games and the standard fantasy set just isn't doing it for them, Triniton is definitely something you should check out. I mentioned that my players and I went in our own direction with the game. That's because there's no way I could fit the whole story of Triniton in a single podcast series. For more information, head to triniton.se to watch the trailer. Speaking of my players, I was joined by some fantastically talented people on this episode, Jeff and John from the System Mastery podcast, who spend their time reviewing old role-playing games, and nerdy renaissance man John Rogers, who you might recognize from the television programs he show runs, including The Librarians and Leverage, the comics he's written, including IDW's fantastic 2011 run on Dungeons and & Dragons, and the gaming projects he's contributed to, including The Leverage RPG. A quick note about the audio on this series, it was recorded outside of our regular studio in Chicago because I was visiting L.A. For that reason, there's a little bit more echo in the background than usual. Before we get to the show, I want to give a quick thanks to our backers on Patreon. Thanks to you, we recently passed our $5,900 goal, which allows Kat and myself to take care of much-needed medical and mental health expenses. As a reward, we're releasing a two-part Headspace character creation session run by Mark Richardson that we recorded at Gen Con. I want to thank the rush of large and small donors that helped carry us over that line. If you like the show, please consider heading over to Patreon and signing up to pledge a small amount to us each month. Those contributions help make the network better and take care of the people who run it. And with all that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright heroes, we're going to meet our party for this week. First up, we are going to meet a friend whose voice I believe you should recognize because I've encouraged people to listen to their show a couple times. And that is John. John. Oh no. Did I introduce Jeff? No, I'm no. Jeff. He's fucking with you. Okay, great. <laughs> Quit messing with Damn, you. Damn, that's a great bit. <laughs> Damn, that's a good bit. Uh, well, I'd like to introduce everybody to Jeff or John. <laughs> Either or. It doesn't matter. I am John. We are from the System Mastery Podcast. My co-host, Jeff, is over there. I am also the co-host and the host. Yeah, and the co-host, but mostly the lesser host. <laughs> and The uh, sub-host, if the you will. The sub-host. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the System Mastery Podcast. I hope you are all listening to. If you aren't, what is wrong with you? And if you aren't listening, uh, let, let's get them up to speed. What is System Mastery? System Mastery is the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. We listen. <laughs> uh, if you listen to us, you'll hear a bunch of old role-playing games, mostly stuff that's not in print anymore. We do reviews of it and mostly tear it to shreds. Yeah. Uh, so if you're sort of wondering like why you see a lot of newer games on one shot, mainly I'm trying to stoke the fires of the industry, but also a lot of the older games that people want me to play are just not fun games mm -hmm. to play. Yeah. They'd be fun games to hear me play because I'd suffer through them. Exactly. But if you want to hear about those games, System Mastery is the show to do it. Well, someone needs to burn out the fires of the old. Yes. From yeah. which the new may rise. Yeah, we are going through just putting out the dumpster fires of the RPG industry, so there you go. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, so guys, 
we are playing a game that sort of has a nebulous setting. Uh, I would compare uh, Triniton, which is the game that we're going to play, to a Lady Blackbird in that they've provided me as a game master with a lot of setting elements. Um, however, they can be defined a lot of different ways. So I want to ask you guys, what, as far as setting goes, would you like to see in this version of Triniton that we're going to play. For the record, I think I had a Triniton TV in like 1985. Uh, you definitely did. Yeah. This is a role-playing setting that actually came out of a TV manufacturer. <laughs> All right. What I would like to do is see people come out of a TV then. So like the ring, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, too late. I am definitely writing <laughs> Damn, <sold>. ring travel <laughs> style. Through screens? Yeah. yeah, yeah we got that Wonka vision. Yeah. Uh, you get broken up into a million pieces in the sky, and then you exit all face-first from a TV, all herky-jerky style. <laughs> Hold on, I'm shaking it off. Give me a second. Get this hair out of my face. It's just, I don't know what happens every time well, that, I travel. That's why she's all jerky when she comes out of there. She's like, I just traveled bad, by static. This is real bad weird. teleportation. And, and Jeff, uh, do you have a setting element that you want to throw onto Wonka Vision style teleportation? Yeah, you know, I feel like before the show, we had a couple of interesting conversations about other games. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, and, God. And, oh, and, Please don't. And, and so oh, what I'd like to do is oh, introduce dear. the concept of a post, uh, let's say, capitalist libertarian paradise. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Post-capitalist libertarian paradise. Oh, good. You went with the good end of that <laughs> I conversation. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, it, it, yeah, believe it or not, those at home like cringing right now. It could have been worse. It could have been so so much worse. <laughs> and so uh, we have uh, a final guest uh, who I'd like to introduce. Um, this is somebody who I'm actually uh, uh, like everybody. I'm a fan of in this room, which is really cool. Um, and that is uh, John Rogers. John, welcome to our show. It is very cool to be on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, it. John, in case people don't recognize you just by your voice, uh, where would we know you from? Uh, I have been a writer and producer in TV and written a bunch of comics. I was one of the guys who inflicted the first Transformers movie on you. <laughs> I uh, co-created the show Leverage, did Librarians, uh, and currently wrote Blue Beetle for DC. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and uh, with Keith Giffen, yeah, I created Jaime Reyes. It was uh, very cool. Oh, and, wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah it was... <laughs> It was, I've, I've worked with a lot of really smart people and been smart enough to draft in behind them. It's like, Keith Giffen's relaunching Blue Beetle. I'm in. Uh, Done. Sold. And currently uh, working on a bunch of stuff, including a reboot of Magnum P.I., or more properly a sequel. Ooh. Uh, starring the character of his daughter. But, but really, we, we got to cut cut all the chaff out of that because you also did Jackie Chan Adventures. I did Jackie Chan Adventures. That's Ooh. right. The first it's... animated show I created was uh, – I actually wound up uh, – it was one of those really great, weird coincidences. I was a giant Jackie Chan fan, found out Sony was trying to do the cartoon, went in and pitched them the entire cartoon world, all the characters. Like, they thought it was a getting-to-know-you meeting. And I showed up like, here is the show! Let me do it! <laughs> so I'm a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. And, and so we then met with Jackie. Uh, I get to know him. And that's actually how I wound up doing... Uh, I wound up doing rewrite work on both Rush Hour 2 and 3. Wow! So I have a question for you then. Uh, and, and a high-five rides on this. Yes. When, when you say first Transformers movie... Yes. Which first Transformers movie do you mean? You mean the cartoon? No, no, God, not the cartoon. That, I'm too, uh, even I'm I'm not quite that old. <laughs> that old. No, no, the uh, the one that the one that started the current uh, live action uh, franchise, which now I think they're going into movie seven or eight. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely, and, and spinning off, as from what I understand. Yes, and, but according to my profit statement, and uh, has not made any money. According to the, <laughs> uh, the studio, whenever I ask, hey, do I get a piece of that back end? They shake their head sadly. And go, we lost so much money on the first Transformers. I just I feel bad. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm still going to go for the high five, but I'm, I'm sorry about your... <laughs> I'm sorry you weren't a part of Galvatron. No, that's, that's okay. Uh, I, that, was, that was one of my drive-bys of the big budget, uh, big budget filmmaking and I do not get along. Just, <laughs> I am all about doing cool, weird stuff, and they're not about doing cool, weird stuff, so I just kind of hang out in TV now. Well, John, uh, I have to ask you now, do you have a plot element or a setting element that we can incorporate into our approach to Triniton. Uh, yes. Uh, Triniton or Trinitron? Uh, I believe it's Triniton. Okay, that, There's that's, that's no extra R. Uh, there, are, uh, there are robots in this, in this setting. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, they all suffer from a random programming glitch that makes them go completely murderous one out of six times. <laughs> 
Oh, man, what if, a great coincidence. If only we had a tool by which to measure that level of randomness. Yes. Either one out of six or one out of eight, or perhaps one out of 12 times. But I'm going to go with one out of six times. A robot will just... And they're super useful. When they're not being murderous, you are all about having them around. But every now and then, they get the red eyes, and you're like, you got to go. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, they'll do your laundry. Yeah. They'll cook for you. Occasionally murder you, but that is a small <laughs> price to pay. a small price to pay. Uh, so, guys, the, the game that we're playing is Triniton. It is... like I compared it to Lady Blackbird earlier, and I really feel like that's where it sits. Uh, as the Game Master, I have been given a lot of setting information. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a big meta plot, but everything else is very ill-defined and open to interpretation from everybody at the table. Um, so I'm incorporating these elements, uh, but... To really get an idea of what's going to be going on in this game, we need to do character creation. It's very simple, so we're actually doing it as a recorded part of the show. Um, Now, I've asked you on your character sheets uh, to have a section for strength, Mm -hmm. uh, your conflict-solving style, and your mystical power. Um, So we're going to go around uh, in the order that I introduced everybody. That'll make it easiest. Uh... To roll a die, and we'll see what gets defined for you. All right, so this is coming off the table. This is coming off the table. Okay. All right. Let's see. We got a four. Okay, a four. Um, This is for your strength, uh, and that is the diplomat. Yeah, it is a plus one when you help everyone involved. So that is sort of a very unique uh thing open to interpretation i guess uh, as a power it does mean you can't use this to fuck people over yeah but i mean it does mean say if we're in combat i go well killing this guy would help everyone involved here but isn't that guy (laughs) (laughs) and he won't be a factor once he's dead it also makes you quite powerful when you're alone (laughs) oh yeah Uh, there we go yeah and we're going to get another roll for strength let's do it i've got a one a one a one that is the agile Plus one to actions that only work right. Oh, plus one to actions that only work right then and there. Very good. So I am very spur of the moment. Yes. Okay. No, no uh, long term plan. Is, tra- is that a translation breakdown? Agile to that? That's. I, again, I, this is a translated game, um, and I don't believe that what we've received is the final version, uh, um, but it is uh, the sort of thing where, like, eh, there might be a little bit of wonky wording in the <laughs> stuff that we're working with. Um, and John, do you want right, to finish see. this off there? A two. A two. A two is the brave. Uh, plus one when you stand up for yourself. I really hope we get somebody rolling higher numbers later on because, man, I want to see people at the table mess with each other. <laughs> um, but now we're, we're on to our conflict-solving style. All right. I solve conflicts like another four. Another four. <laughs> that is analytical. You always roll last. Hmm. Man, that's interesting. interesting. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's a, that's a really neat ability. I hope the rest of them are similar. All right, here we go. I got a five. Oh, a five means you get to pick uh, for yourself. Do me a favor. Don't want. tell me what they do. Just tell me what they're called. Okay, so there oh, cool. is confrontational, okay. consensual, energetic, and analytical. Look, Nine. I'm a modern man. I'm not going to do anything that's not consensual. I was going to say, I always like to be energetically consensual. So, you know, man, this sort of ties into a little thread we were working with er- earlier. Uh, consensual is minus one when you do stuff alone. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. So I'm awesome doing stuff by myself and you are not. That's fair enough. I'm going to hang around with you and make your life terrible. It's just like in real life, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Could you leave? Could you just go? No, no, no. no. <laughs> when I am without you, I'm so awful. What you doing here? A date? You know what would be great is a third wheel for that date. Make some more stable. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. Let's see if I got something different. Uh, also a five. Also a five. Okay. Right. So you've got consensual. You've got analytical. Analytical. So what are they? are energetic and confrontational. I will take uh, confrontational. So that is minus one when you do anything secret. That's interesting. It sounds like all of the conflict resolving styles are, are uh, negatives that you're you're associated with. Yeah, that, which <laughs> yeah. it's trying to make you not resolve conflicts in a certain way, rather than yeah. give you a bonus to do it a certain. It, way. it reminds me of a game where there was you had two positive elements and one negative element. That's fairly famous called uh, uh, Duck Band, the RPG. Oh, yeah, duck, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, everyone yeah. remembers that really, classic Duck yeah, Band. Yeah, took the world by storm. Yeah, do you remember the Satanic Panic around Duck Band? <laughs> all of a sudden, priests were burning it, and like oh. the duck is the path to darkness. That's <laughs> why you can't find it hardly it's, anywhere. Yeah, it's almost impossible to find. 
copy unless, anymore. Uh, the, I mean, it was really freaky when it turned out to be connected to that cult, actually. That was, yeah. like, was kind yeah. of really screwed up. Man, he found all those shoes. The Duckman prophecies. <laughs> Why was it always left shoes? <laughs> And finally, we are at Mystical Power. Oh, my Mystical Power is a one. A one. Uh, so you get ten re-rolls. Ooh, I'm lucky. Wow. I think that is an extraordinary amount of re-rolls it for is. a game that I am anticipating very few rolls here. So let's... Can I re-roll a re-roll? Yeah, let's but, get that but, out of the way right, right now. <laughs> that is a good question. Also, there's, no, there's no curve to this game. So like, it, it, that many re-rolls may not actually help you in any way. <laughs> I mean, that's several 50-50 chances. I am going to say that you can only use one re-roll per roll. Oh, wow. There? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> he, by the way, John always picks Lucky when it's an option in a game. It's true. That is my thing. Yeah. Lucky is Lucky's just great. Yeah. It breaks the game in so many circumstances. <laughs> Uh, let's let's do another roll here. I also got a one. Do you want me to do something different? Yeah, let's do something different. Yeah, I got a five. Hey, let's hear, five. Let's hear the list. So you've got uh, there, there's lucky or uh, persuasive or empathetic or connected. I think I'm gonna go with lucky. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with pers- <laughs> Was it empathetic or apathetic? Uh, pers- that's great. I like apathetic. That's empathetic. Uh, <laughs> apathetic. If you want to make up one based on apathetic, I will let that happen. <laughs> no, let's play by the game's rules. I'm going to go ahead and say empathetic. Okay, man, it's these are some, especially considering how lucky works. This is real weird. And empathetic is find a pet and you get to keep it. Now, not in the game. <laughs> this is just if you found this is a in real life. Well, that's just a rule in general. <laughs> how did how did Jeff die? We're on the Hollywood Hills. He finds a coyote. He says he wants to bring it into the game. If you find They're very it, hungry. There's been a drought. It just ends badly. I, you know, the whole way I was getting eaten, I just kept saying, "Hey, come on, you're my coyote." Yeah, Jeff. Why are you not? Look at this? look at this index card, buddy. <laughs> Oh, I didn't realize you played Triniton. <laughs> I'm a Triniton player myself. <laughs> All right, John. Really? That's cool. No, no, you're hallucinating from Bud Lock. <laughs> you're, you're dying. You're on the verge of death. That's why he's got Six. There you go. Yay. All right. So uh, the player to your right gets to choose for you. All right. Can I hear the remaining options? So the remaining options. Oh, he doesn't get to fabricate one. He gets to choose one. He does get to fabricate one. <laughs> oh, okay. That well, is part of the rule. Let's, let's, let's hear the options and make sure I don't accidentally pick one then. Okay, um, so there's persuasive, which just seems unreasonably powerful, cons- considering Lucky is out there. Persuasive is ten auto wins over people. Oh wow! But Dang. that must mean in social interaction. That must mean social. I mean, yeah. that that does seem to be the nature of it. I but am again, persuasively <laughs> stabbing you in the neck with this knife. Look, <laughs> you should let me stab you. Let me, uh, hold on, just right. try it a little. Oh, just okay, the tip. Yeah. I'm uh, kind of just... thinking it doesn't work on NPCs too, because it's on people specifically. And Let's say over people, I feel like so not robots. So when the robot does oh, yeah. killer, it doesn't work on those kill bots. Yeah, no. yeah, that's true. I mean, one in six chance. So you might be able to <laughs> we, talk them um, down. We prefer kill inflicted. We don't kill bots. Um, really not. The other is the connected. Ask the GM a yes/no question uh, per game night. I like that's that one. one. I like I like that. I like being able to ask a random yes, or a uh, specific yes no question. Okay, but one is just so limited, especially for a one shot. Yeah, it seems that seems incredibly wait, limited. Wait, wait, considered- okay, so you said I could make one up. Yeah, I'm gonna go with very connected, <laughs> which is where he can do that twice. Yeah. Wait, wait. I'll bargain. I'll-, <laughs> I'll talk. I'll go. I'll go higher. I'll go higher. I can. I can do it. Uh, okay. See, tell me this is broken. I can do it four times, twice that. But uh, one of those times, you can just lie to me. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so one in four is a lie. Damn. I'm going to go with, we're going to call that exceptionally connected. <laughs> to assholes. <No. laughs> connected with a twist. You get three questions. We call it two truths and a lie. We sell it. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love uh, it. Connected. Love so it. four questions. But one of them's a lie. One is a lie. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll always drive you towards an adversarial relationship with the GM. It's only, <laughs> is the is the nature is the true nature of the game. So uh, the the other element to character creation, which is really interesting, like the way it's laid out is fascinating. Um, but it, they call it the how to improvise section. Um, so that starts that, that that's broken down into a couple sections. Hero here 
in scene and vision. So the elements that you are able to define are hero, which is essentially who you are, what you look like. That might be something that folks want to define after they define here, because here is where you get to identify three pieces of equipment that you have. Um, and your vision, which is an overarching goal for your character that you may or may not hit in this session of Triniton. Interesting. So hero here and in vision? Yes. Okay. Um, and this is the how to improvise section because it's supposed to be, if you don't know what to do, what you reference to tell you what you're supposed it's to the do. the section of what is role-playing what, what role gaming that we all scoop the first five pages out of every yeah. book yeah, that yeah, we yeah, buy. Yeah, always like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, we are aware. And By the odd chance, a total civilian who's never heard of RPGs has somehow wandered into the one game store in your entire city and accidentally bought an RPG. Oh. You need these five pages. And I want the Furry Hunger Games book. I'll bring that home without <laughs> you know knowing what, what an RPG no, is. I don't have a really any good idea. What that is. What's that? You say it's like a play, but I'm the actor? <laughs> I'm going to need dice and it's the like, director at the same time? It's like a board game, but you go off of the board. <laughs> You're going to need some friends, a pencil, probably some pizza. <laughs> oh, ow, ow. I want to the mark. <laughs> Don't touch the GM's pizza. Oh, my gosh. Uh, let's see. Should we take a moment and just fill all these out? Yeah, take a moment, take well, a knee. Three pieces of equipment. Three pieces of equipment. But we're in science fiction fantasy. Could you give me? Are we? Are we Firefly? Are we like Sundar? Are we? Uh, so again, that's the sort of thing where when you pick your pieces of equipment, you're deciding that. Um, you're telling me what is reasonable for an adventurer to run around the setting. If somebody's like, yeah, I've got a gun and a couple grenades, and somebody's like, yeah, I've got a spear and an axe, then we're in a setting where both of those options are reasonable. Cool. Well, I'm the brave, which means I have to stand up for myself and confrontational, so I never do anything in secret. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a neural sword. Ooh. A neural, neural sword. Neural sword. Which, uh, which basically, um, uh, I, I fight, I, it's, it's good to fight, except I have to keep, like, shit talking. Wait, can I swear on this? I keep forgetting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, okay, definitely. yes. No, the, the idea that it's powered by hubris. <laughs> God, it's the oh, hubris I love blade. That. It's the hubris blade. There the hubris go. blade. <laughs> there we go. And the one piece of advice that the game gives on this section is that uh, it is easier to do something with a talking cat, length of rope, and pocket knife than it is with a sword, spear, and axe. Cool. Because three item, three of those things do one thing that's all the same fighting, and the other ones have you going with like a wider range of options. Makes sense. Uh, I will go with the cybernetic hamster. Cybernetic hamster. Cybernetic hamster. Yep. Uh, that's my pet. You have to find your own pet. Oh, I've well, already got one. Written I mean, down. if he finds that, he does get to keep. Yeah, no, it. I would never. I my would never cybernetic try. hamster. <laughs> is the, it's like a. It's like a um, sonic screwdriver. It can do any electronics, but you have to place the hamster directly on it. So if I can get it on a robot, I can shut it down. If I can get it on a lock. Now, John, uh, I have a critical question. Yes. Uh, based on your setting element, is there a one in six chance that your cybernetic hamster goes psychotic as it is a robot? Uh, yeah, I'd have to say yes. I'd say it's required. There we go. I've already, I've already made the same call. I have, <laughs> I have a 1970s Doctor Who style robot. It's shaped like a koala bear, and its name is Ko Walla. Nice, perfect, very nice. Mm -hmm. It hangs around on my shoulder, and normally it just gives Tinny bad robot advice. <laughs> <laughs> that my cybernetic hamster thinks that your uh, koala is a sad remnant of Gagan days. It really is, and it's really <laughs> condescending. Like a young person explaining the internet to an old person. So now, is your is your hamster a a, a cyborg? Then is it does it have hamster parts? Oh, it has, definitely has hamster parts. Yes. Okay. Oh wow. Yes. Yeah. The hamster, the the uh, they're more resilient if they're half alive. <laughs> so and you can tell the hamster like crawl down that tube and hack something. It can base simple commands. Also, it's got like a one in twelve chance yeah. of being psychotic. Yeah. Because no, no, I still think it's one in six. Like it's got a lot of robot. <laughs> half in robot. Yeah, half exactly. hamster. All yeah. murder. <laughs> Uh, what do you do? You have a, a piece of I have no no pets. No, so. pets. no pets. No okay. pets. I do, however, have a revolver. A okay. regular Ooh, revolver. Okay. Okay. Uh, but that's because I am a gun ambassador. Oh, nice. Uh, my name is Zardoz Goldman, the nice. gun ambassador. Nice. Uh, I'd really like to spread the good word of the gun. Uh, in case anyone didn't know, the gun is good. So... <laughs> 
I would like people to know that. Please tell me your next outfit. Our next item is a red diaper with leather straps. <laughs> I don't want to spoil this. And that third one's a mustache. <laughs> I have a teleport gun. Ooh. Uh, it is a gun, so it could be construed as a bad thing, but all it does is make something appear about 20 feet to the left of where you shot it in the first place. Just anything appear. Uh, let's say anything that's not connected to the earth in some way. Okay. Yeah, so things that have foundations, trees, I can't do it to. But a car, no problem. I could shoot it 20 feet over to the left. Okay, so so you shoot one thing and then make it appear it in appe- somewhere. It appears say, 20 yeah, feet to the left. Perfect. Nice. Plus or minus a, a variance. Let's say between one and, I'd say, six feet. Man, aiming. So it really matters about where you're getting your vector from. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to have to be true left from the point of view of the gun. It has to be directly perpendicular from the gun. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I basically, the, the other question I have is uh, does it phase through solid objects? If it were to teleport into something, I'm going to give it a weakness. It phases through most solid objects, but not wood. It's Great. Got to- <laughs> Good. Thank you, Original Green Lantern. Yes, the Original yeah. Green Lantern. <laughs> Why would that make no sense? I don't know. The first yeah, I'm glad they really mind. cleared it up by making it yellow yeah, instead. That's really, that's <laughs> that boy. makes sense. That has been <laughs> okay. Um, so I believe we've got uh, two items over uh, here. I, I think I've got two. Got, uh, you've got two. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with multiphasic boots. Multiphasic boots. Multiphasic boots uh, do two things. Uh, they help you walk along any perpendicular surface, any surface in any direction, any orientation. Ooh, very nice. Uh, also, um, because they're sort of just, you know, they've got sort of a software. I've programmed various sundry uh, dances of different peoples and lands in them. So if necessary, I can, I can really rip up a dance floor. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an abacus. <laughs> Not a calculator, an abacus. <laughs> Great. As one does. <laughs> yeah. Now... I mean, just so you know, the little beads that it uses are calculators, though, so it's fine. <laughs> All right. So, and that's just I've great. Got the Abba calculator. Abba calculator. You can calculate at the speed of an abacus made of calculators. I can calculate at the speed of Abba. Nice. <laughs> Which is a funky 5-4 in some times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my last item is a walking keyboard. And, and walking to be keyboard. clear, that's not a keyboard that can walk. It's the standing keyboard that people played in 80s uh, oh, bands. Nice. And in this case, it also generates a number of hallucin- hallucinati- hallucinatory lights. Uh, bright holograms pop out of it, mostly just kind of 80s cartoon flashes of purple, <laughs> blue, you know, that sort of thing. Perfect. Yeah, so a walking keyboard. I really wanted to hear like the Swedish designers of this game going like, No, it is dark cyberpunk! It is set in the future! What are they doing? <laughs> Libertarianism? <laughs> so bizarre! You should take a dog that tells you to kill people. <laughs> I don't understand. But I've got that in real life. Why would I want to bring that into the game? Where are your razor nails? Where are Where's your hacking deck? <laughs> All right, and we got one. We got one more item over uh, here. Correct. Um, can I have a pen and a notepad as one item? I will allow it. Good. <laughs> well, that's generous. Yeah, that's right. Weaseling out extra <laughs> items. <laughs> so a pen and notepad. Yes. Okay. Wow, you really? Yeah, you really. Uh, I'm did. Really, I'm, you're, really, you're really munchkin this. Oh you're yeah, really, uh, I'm reaching great. for the stars on this one, <laughs> exactly. baby. All right, so now that we have all that defined, uh, we need names and looks for your characters. What what are they called? What do they look like? All right, uh, John, since you've already got your name out there, would you like to finish it up? Well, yeah. As I said, he is Zardoz Goldman, the gun ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is a fairly large fellow, strapping but shy still, uh, sort of unassuming, and yet a large mustache. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, my character is a scrappy early 20s or so with a loose-fitting 70s blonde hairdo, kind nice. of loose and flowing. He's wearing loose, dusty-colored robes. However, he's got blue accents that are actually floating near him, kind of in that Jetson style where he's got hoops around him and so on. A couple areas are unreasonably tight. A couple areas are far too loose and flowing. He's wearing no less than four necklaces at any given time, and his name is Dusty Space Lasers. <laughs> Dusty Space Dusty space lasers. Dusty space lasers. Very nice. Uh, I will. Uh, I will actually pay tribute to the mothership. Uh, I am going to say my hero's name is Val Tristantine. Uh, he is a. Uh, he is, looks like Captain Blood of space. He's basically got the uh, open blouse shirt, the pantaloons, the cape, uh, jaunty hat, 
and uh, and attitude for days. <laughs> Perfect. Always five o'clock shadow. Perfectly maintained five o'clock. I like shadow. how everyone is doing some kind of seventies pastiche. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. We all get well, along like, wonderfully. What, what I love is like if you go back and watch those science fiction movies, all the knockoffs that came off after Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Han Solo is actually a really interesting original character. Mm-hmm. And then all as you go through like carbon copies of him, they get cheesier and cheesier and cheesier to become not just space pirate but Italian space pirate. <laughs> like they, they all there's an exponential curve towards Italian space pirate in the late seventies, early eighties. Also, Love you can it. follow a direct line of progression between him having no mustache and then them having giant mustaches. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How do we make him distinct? Mustache. mustache. That's the trick. All right. On mustache solo. So we, let's see, we've got our names, we've got our looks. Okay. Um, the last thing that I'll ask for that uh, Triniton does not ask for, uh, which is why do you guys work together? Well, actually, there is one more thing that we should be discussing. Oh. The vision. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, Mind Stone? Really? Come on now. <laughs> also, what's up with that comics where he has a family and they all look like him? That's weird. <laughs> you right? know, those are pretty good, though. I know. I've, I really enjoy them. But what's up with them? Yeah. The Scarlet <laughs> Witch. That's what's up with them. Uh, fair enough. Uh, so we did have to do a vision as well. And, oh, and that's right. The vision, your big goal. That's r- the the thing that helps me more so than <laughs> yes, robotic koalas else. and cybernetic <laughs> hamsters is what do you want? What's your goal? All right. Well, mine is going to be to unite the cosmos in song. Ooh. That's lofty. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, mine will be to uh, bring down the treacherous uh, Hong Kong-like space criminal warlord Fat Chow. Fat Chow. Can't can't ignore that. <laughs> he has a puppy, you know. <laughs> and he hates music. <laughs> oh, puppy Chow. The last thing. <laughs> Val, Val actually has a scar just above his, his right ear where Fat Chow thought he shot him in the head and left him for dead. Ooh. <laughs> My uh, vision is to spread the good word of the gun. Gun, yeah. You know, mm. a lot of people have been using swords, axes, spears... And that's just backwards thinking. We as a society need to move forward together. Guns. <laughs> I think I would like to introduce your gun to Fat Chow. So I think we're going to work together just fine. Guns. A family weapon. <laughs> so to answer your initial even question. The, even the youngest child can operate a gun. <laughs> so simple a child could use it. In fact, let me demonstrate. Oh, God, this ad is horrible. And they come in such bright colors. <laughs> They're in, almost indistinguishable for, from toys. Get your child the My Little Pistol now. <laughs> so to answer your earlier question, to make it easier for you and explain why everyone's hanging out, uh, mm-hmm. Dusty is a little slow on the uptake. He, he takes life as it comes to him, uh, which is why he, of course, is so agile, because he's always just responding to new troubles. Uh, he believes that Val and Zardoz are his backup band. Okay. And, and until, until now, at least at this point, no one has been able to convince him otherwise. Like Have that. you ever rehearsed? Oh, I'm rehearsing constantly. They always seem to be a little off the beat. Just a little. Just yeah. a little off. Great. Do we, have you given us instruments? Do we uh, have instruments you expect us to play? No, those those backup lyrics that we do are a little off-key, but they're pretty good. Every time he's like, look, no, when you say shut up, stop it, you need to be on shut up, stop it. You're saying shut up, stop it. Get on the beat. On the beat. <laughs> oh, so we just backup vocals. Yeah. Well, he, to, up until this point, has considered the abacus to be some kind of harp or something. And, some kind of harp. And is consistently confused at the terrible tone it generates. And, of course, you, having a cybernetic hamster with you, are a, a pair of Fly Girl-style dancers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, to, just together. Also, the amazing boots. Yeah. And also, you have amazing go-go boots. Yeah. It all comes together in his mind incorrectly. So, now, I have to ask the really hard-hitting question here of, are you the lead vocalist and guitarist, or just guitarist? He is the lead vocalist and guitarist. Okay. Yeah. Of the band $7,000. Man, what a great goddamn name in a libertarian paradise. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're, yes, you're making me like sad to. I didn't play my uh, bassist character, Defunct Money. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it is a really great name, as you can tell from these thousands of pamphlets and posters we've made to post in the coffee shops of this weird alien world. <laughs> They're all like they keep do- tearing down. Dollars? What are these dollars? dollars. <laughs> we use credits. And sometimes chickens. Sometimes uh, chicken credits. There's a lot of barter economy active. I will say that it makes perfect sense for Val Tristantine to be traveling with them because uh, he figures that Fat Chow will never be looking at a funky band yeah. for the direction for vengeance to be coming. Mm-hmm. 
Also, there's no better place to get the good message of the gun out than on stage. You get a crowd, they're already built in. You go, that was a wonderful number. Now I'd like to take a second. Just sit right there. What's, what's a gun's natural, natural, natural space? The crowd. The crowd. There's nothing better than a crowded space for the gun. The gun. Try it today. We open in the capital on the island of Arbez. Arbez is where pretty much all the adventures take place. Uh, the planet that you're on is Triniton. However, all of the defined setting elements happen on Arbez. And I am going to go one step further uh, for Arbez, and I'm going to say Arbez is all of the known world. There are oceans surrounding the island of Arbez, but they have been completely unexplored. So the wider world of Triniton is somewhat of a mystery to you guys. The capital is just called the capital. Um... The capital points upwards. There's sort of a Art Deco uh, pastiche art style to most of the buildings. However, the city is appointed with several large gleaming white towers that have a much more alien design. While most of the builders in the area like to work with stone and brass pointing upwards in geometric shapes, these are scooped out and bizarre looking, always gleaming white, never uh, being tarnished by dirt or dust the way the rest of the buildings in the city work. Unless somebody's an architectural student, they've always worked like that and nobody's thought anything of it. The city is still gorgeous and it's gorgeous because people were able to do what they wanted to make it that way <laughs> without big government in the way exactly yeah. no gods or kings <laughs> just oh my men God. this architecture is fantastic oh i'm sorry the water's bad oh, oh, oh we're very good at architecture we're very bad on water i love that it's art deco too <laughs> oh god everyone is so sick you guys are in front of the faction known as the Rulers in a meeting room. They're known as the Rulers because the various corporations and factions measure their powers by something called crystals. Crystals have different inherent powers, and the faction that controls the most crystals has the most power. Uh, I will point out that in the Triniton setting book, it tells you exactly how many crystals there are of each type in the world. For example, there are exactly 400 slave crystals. Yes, huh. that is a type of crystal. All right. I hope they just do something having to do with circuitry related to other crystals. Mm, <laughs> uh, really, really awkward. Could, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, so there, there are a defined number of crystals in the setting, and the faction that controls the most crystals uh, is in power. Of course, we're in a libertarian paradise, so the slave crystal just binds you to antiquated economic thought. <laughs> Yes. Um, that was shouldn't, more... this, uh, shouldn't we regulate this food? Whoa! Somebody got a slave crystal. <laughs> it's really more of an indentured servitude Dude, crystal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so that would be the gray crystal that I referenced. Uh, however, you, you are in front of the ruling faction now. And it's because I'm going to say you're pitching them something. All right, gentlemen. You've bought our time here. You're in front of us. Wow me. I'm going to ready my guitar until someone stops me. Guitar, excuse me. <laughs> well, of course. Well, so guns. Let me tell you about that. Now, you've got a great capital here. No one can besmirch that. There's no doubt about it. But let me tell you something. How you doing on guns? Do you got guns? Uh, portions of our population have guns if they can afford to have guns. How would you like to see a gun in every home? You know... A gun-having home is a safe home. A gun in every garage and a gun in every pot. <laughs> are you suggesting that we make it so that people are required to own a gun? Well, I wouldn't say required. I should hope not. Strongly suggested, perhaps? Perhaps we create the market conditions by which gun ownership is seen as advantageous by the greatest amount of the population. And, of course, the best way to do that... Concert. Okay, that went that went a little right on us. Uh, <laughs> that's the first thing that somebody said that surprised me. I know, I know that you're a gun advocate. I know that you just want to be in this room, but you, a concert, not just any concert, friend, the biggest concert. I'm talking laser lights. I'm talking T-shirt sales, and, and yes, 
a little spreading of the word of the gun. I can't stop my harpist. <laughs> I just, I just can't. But click, 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 click. <laughs> People do love concerts. I, I, I would say so. People should love concerts, and it's my opinion that as many people as possible should be at concerts every day, especially my concerts with guns. A really big concert would bring out all of the most important people on this uh, in this land, including oh, I don't you know, Big Tony. Large Sam, Fat Chow, just some of the people who might come to this concert if it's big and splendid enough. And, of course, as a result, we'll need to have boxes, lots of boxes, box seats, expensive seats, seats that will generate money for other people. This is an interesting idea, gentlemen. I've never thought of using our money in a public capacity, but uh, throwing a concert does have the... Ability to generate secondary wealth. We'd charge for drinks, charge for seats, charge for air purification. In the time before time, I heard tell of a group known as the Ticketmasters, who found ways to extract money from everyone, most expertly. To be fair, they overstepped and were eventually murdered. <laughs> I mean, brutally, really. <laughs> riots and gibbons and entrails. Well, it was just uh, really horrible. And, and of course, we're not going to go that far. No, yes. But a couple of service charges for the permission of selling people tickets, that's not so much to ask. Well, we, we all know the Amazons defeated the Ticketmasters when they <laughs> entered a similar field. So, well, it's like the old saying goes, you got to spend money to make money to buy guns. You say referencing the massive stone <laughs> placard on the wall that has very slightly been written on a piece of paper to buy guns below it. It's a post-it note. It's right next to the, because it's a libertarian society, it's right next to the, you've got to spend money to make money, but not my money. <laughs> Just once I want to hear you say, let me give you my card. Be careful the safety's off. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. You do have my attention with this concert idea. I just need to make sure that it's feasible. Our corporation, while we would be interested in uh, merchandising rights to your idea, I think it would be prudent for you to put down a deposit. And for a deposit, I'm going to need a crystal. Mm. Let me let me confer with my, my money man. Do we have any crystals? You know they can hear you. You're just asking that across the room. They can, they can hear you. Hi. No, I'm pretty sure I said let me confer with him. Not, I, I know, but that doesn't mean people, other people can't hear you. Do you know? Do you not know how whispering works in all the time we've traveled? <laughs> it's, it's it's social contract. It's it's as far as I'm aware, it's the social contract. I say let me confer We're with in my a money. Libertarian <laughs> paradise. The point of a libertarian paradise is there's no social contract. That's the, the social contract can apply if he can afford it. Yeah, I, uh, you know what? Just keep to, keep talking to Zardos. Go ahead. Just uh, okay. As far as I can tell, uh, no, doesn't look like I've got a crystal here. Now, if he wants a gun, though, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want a gun. He just. <laughs> we don't have a crystal because if we had a crystal, we'd be sitting on that side of the table as opposed to this side of the table. That does seem accurate. Uh, well, we're at what I call a libertarian impasse. <laughs> you gentlemen need a concert, and we need a crystal. Now, because of our position in the city, and because of the one charter. That our libertarian society agreed to, my faction is not allowed to procure crystals from other factions. However, you, being freelancers, are able to procure any crystal from anywhere. So if you come into my office having found a new crystal, then I can look the other way on where you may or may not have received it from, and we can put together your little concert. Let me talk to my innuendo guy real quick. Does that mean we can just go find Yes, it means we can go get a crystal. <laughs> it sounds like we're in agreement. I just want to kill Fat Chow. This is so hard. <laughs> All right. I will give you the customary libertarian 72 hours to complete this contract, <laughs> as is our way. Libertarians yeah. having long ago released the, uh, removed the hour from its full 60 minutes to 45. <laughs> Uh, your time is starting now. If you gentlemen would like to leave, you can obviously pay for the door. Or we can provide a robot escort complimentary. No, no, that's okay. We just, we've just we been pressing our luck with robots lately. I think we're just going to do the door. Just hold on. I think I got some pocket changer. How much is the door? Door is one unit. I have, I have a unit because of that place, that gig we played, that they paid us to stop. Here, here's one unit. 
Uh, you present the unit to the door. The door scans the unit, and like a little light comes in that uh, deconstructs it like the way a printer prints, just like line by line. And the door turns from red to green, and you are allowed to walk through. Great. Do I, does the unit taken from me? Is the unit is taken. It was scanned and then deconstructed ah, atom by atom. Copy that. Oh, fascinating. You know, I'm really disappointed that the, door, the doors here don't take songs. <laughs> uh, you know don't what's amazing? That, Not many places do. Don't let that stop you, though. You keep trying to open doors with songs, my friend, because <laughs> it just fills me with hope in my long, bleak journey towards vengeance to know that <laughs> you've got that sort of hope and light in your heart. It's that drive that I like to see. Always be singing. Always be singing. <laughs> you always be shooting. Indeed. Oh, do you ever actually shoot, or do you just try to sell guns? I mean, a little from column A, mostly column B. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you gentlemen uh, exit the door, go down the labyrinthine, labyrinthine corridors of the building that you memorized so that you wouldn't have to pay for a map. Um <laughs> And exit into the, I won't say dirty streets, because once again, this is a libertarian paradise. They're filthy. But <laughs> they are they are streets that have no public incentive to be cleaned. We're just waiting for one private billionaire who really loves clean streets. Yes, exactly. Well, eventually, the free market will take care of this. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, there is a giant monument to the last OCD billionaire who was obsessed with cleaning streets and spent a great deal of his personal fortune on A, cleaning the streets, and B, constructing a monument to himself <laughs> for having cleaned those streets. Indeed. Um, the inscribed on the bottom just says, hey, is there? That's a, there's a spot right, right there. That's just inscribed on the bottom. Washing instructions for this monument. <laughs> But you gentlemen are in the heart of the capital, the largest city on Arbez. The capital is where all of the ruling factions have their seats of power. Um, the buildings, of course, ranked according to height, leaving the building of the ruling faction, the highest building at the center of the capital. You now overlook the city. You can see Buildings new and old intermingled with the strange alien white structures that protrude from the surrounding area. And you know that you need a crystal. How do you plan on getting it? Gentlemen, a vast vista of unknown possibilities awaits us. Let's find a bar. A bar? Absolutely. Absolutely where we should go. Not a bar you're going to sing at, right? Just a bar we're going to go and we're going to drink, have a nice oh, drink. We'll see. You know, sometimes those house bands can get pretty nasty when you try and just get up on stage with them. But, yes. but you know, we'll see. We'll see. If nothing else, they probably have a sidewalk out front. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe they serve crystals. <laughs> just try ordering yes. one. I, I, Maybe your local bar <laughs> serves the most valuable objects known to humankind. Well, who's asked the them? <laughs> no one's ever asked. <laughs> He's got it back there. Just a load of crystals and no one ever asks no for No one them. has ever asked. Fair enough. I'll tell you what. That'll be your job from now on. When we go to bars. <laughs> just bar crawl, crystal asking. Yeah. Why don't we... Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, so you guys head down to a bar that, you know, is populated by a lot of misfits like you folks. The inalienable right. Um, <laughs> Love it. You walk into the bar and you look around. There's a bit of a Star Wars cantina moment of you seeing the different characters that populate this bar. You walk in and you're hit by a wall of silence. You can hear uh, the smacking of lips and the breathing of other people, uh, people running fingernails along the counter. Um, you can see that everybody has their attention wrapped on stage where there is a single singer. Of course, none of that sound reaches you as you haven't paid for it. There is a unit reading machine where you can present a unit in order to hear sounds that are not the smacking of lips. Man, that is an amazingly good incentive to get me to pay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, what if the band is also called the smacking of lips? <laughs> oh, the smacking lips. They're oh. so good. They're really good. A little, I mean, a little druggy for, for my tastes. But, like, if you're in a certain place of consciousness, the smacking lips are great. Yeah, but like, Yoshimi battles the yellow cyborgs. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. This 17-minute-long guitar sitar dueling riff in the middle just was a little much for me on that last album. Look, I'm going uh, to buy us earbuds. 
Uh, <laughs> so we can hear what's going on. So we can at least have a conversation opener because I don't think we're going to be able to talk to people about crystals. We're just poking them in the shoulder and go, hey, take out your earbud and talk to me about crystals. I think the important thing to do is to sit around and look like seedy adventurers. <laughs> yes, that's the important thing. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely people who are built entire lifestyles around that, and you can see a few of them in the bar. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy your bud since since I'm flushed from killing Fat Chow's lieutenant last month and took a bunch of units off him. Perfect. You present your units once again. They are scanned and deconstructed, uh, fed in as data to this uh, collection unit, and three sets of earbuds pop out. Oh, I should have paid for the clean earbuds all right here here take them <laughs> wow that's you a, get you get earbuds but if you want them to be clean I that's know, an extra I should unit have thought it really really i didn't look at the card above the bar i just <laughs> all right well this is unpleasant well i can't thank you enough for a chance to listen to another traveler of the sonic cosmos oh 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 the time <laughs> is that just puckle bill's cannon over and over again what is oh man i think i think they're warming up so what's what's going on on stage here so yeah, no, don't lick it. Don't lick it. Just put it in. Don't no, lick it. Oh, but it's so dirty. No, no, don't lick it. I just got to get it off. No, there. hold just on one second. Please don't. I <laughs> oh, swear. Much better. Uh, oh, your tongue's God. a little dirty, man. You should go put it on no, the doorknob. Don't. I got to lick my own tongue to get the dirt off. Hold on. Oh, There's a lot of brass used in this construction, so it emulsifies. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, you you now can hear the beautiful tones of the the singer on stage everyone has their attention wrapped on her for a reason it's definitely better than the smacking of lips that you heard (laughs) earlier um both the actual sound and the band that you had heard earlier um she's singing a sorrowful tune filling the bar with a nice easy blues feel it's wonderful I actually am greatly enjoying this. I think I had these tuned wrong when I first put them in. You were picking up the upstairs apartment. Yeah, you got <laughs> yeah. trick is you got to really get them. You got to dig them in there. Yeah. <laughs> you really got to aim. Yeah. They don't work till I cut the inside of your ear a little. Just a little. Uh, do we have any idea who this might be? I mean, we all do live in one city and one land. So is she famous enough or is it a local joint? Yeah. You know what? I want you to make a music appreciation role for me. Um, so we will bring our first role into the game. Am I dealing with music appreciation because he doesn't actually listen to any other bands? <laughs> no, no. I, I fully You're have musical appreciation. You're music appreciation because I feel like this role can either be relevant to you or not uh, relevant you to you. That's a five. That is a five. Yes. This is a singer who really someone would only know about if they researched them heavily. She's a singer that shows up around a few bars in the area, tries not to play the same joint twice. The reason she tries not to play the same joint twice is her name is Sydney Chow. Holy smokes. That's Sydney Chow. Oh. Sydney Chow, daughter of notorious gangster. Fat Chow. Oh, goodness. Sidney Chow, the blues musician? It, it, absolutely. And this is the thing. She says she doesn't know anything about um, she, I was, We have to whisper. No, we don't have to whisper. That's no, right. Hold on. Everyone's got to hear him. I can yeah, barely sorry. hear you. Sidney <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> Chow is the daughter of Fat Chow, the gangster to whom I have sworn vengeance for killing my friends and trying to kill me in a drug deal gone horribly wrong. Is that your backstory? I should really write that down. Wow, that guy does not have headphones in, and he does not look pleased with you. Uh, I should have thought, of course, I'd have a security guy here watching Sydney Chow with headphones. That's probably something I should have thought about. But also, however, I'm a genuine fan. I began to research her in order to gain my vengeance, and I wound up getting all her albums and just really kind of appreciate her, her folksy take on, on uh, Arbalest Blues. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is great. Let me listen to her. She's fantastic. Well, I'm going to take a quick look around the room and obviously the daughter of a famous gangster is going to have some muscle who's accompanying her wherever she goes. So I'm going to see if I can spot them here in the bar. All right. I think that is another uh, thing where we don't know what will happen. So I will need you to roll on that. Sure. I'm going to be taking a minus one on this because I didn't involve them in any way. That's true. And I have a six, Six. which means I still succeed. That is successful. Scanning the room, uh, you're looking at the different patrons. And you know, this being a libertarian paradise, they could have paid anyone to be a bodyguard here literally anyone in your society at any time could become a bodyguard if presented with enough units yeah there's an app for it 
However, this is Sydney Chow, and being the daughter of Fat Chow, the bodyguard that she would have would be highly trained. You scan over people searching for basic things like physical build, perhaps any sort of identifying scars that could let you know that a person is dangerous, and you find the perfect median, someone who is imposing enough physically to act as a bodyguard in certain situations, but also has few enough scars for you to know that they've seen action, but they won every single one of those fights. And that is a man who you recognize. Mm. You recognize him from your past. Oh, goodness. What is that past? Well, for a number of years, I was the stage performer for a local strip club. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am at, for a long period of time, I've seen men come and go. Uh, I was only side stage. I had to do the sort of, hey, ladies and gentlemen, put your dollars on the rail for Karen, sort of thing, and then play cherry pie again. Uh, <laughs> space cherry pie, though. <laughs> yeah. She's space cherry it's pie. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, space Karen. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so he would be a regular patron. He used to come in very neatly, very cleanly, didn't cause any fuss, purchased one lap dance, threw a couple dollars on the rail, and walked away quietly. Yeah. And but he had a favorite dancer. Yeah. He had a favorite dancer, and her name was Free Market. <laughs> and it's hard to say that uh, she was his favorite dancer because she was really everyone's favorite dancer but he was infatuated with free market in a way that uh most men with the passion that most men can't summon he would be there every night um and if you weren't a regular there you didn't know that free market was his and the unfortunate evening where you saw another man pay for a lap dance with free market was the evening that changed your perception both of him and of the entire grim business. He killed that man in a very grisly revenge killing. Uh, there was blood everywhere. The strip club eventually shut down because... Uh, I've never seen a man beaten to death with a high heel with a goldfish in it before. Yeah. <laughs> Which this, which obviously uh, this notorious bodyguard does wear. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of a stripper, but also nice. I like that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, he's he's Goldman Sachs of fish on oh. his feet. Um, <laughs> as he puts his uh, feet up on the counter, listening to uh, this singer, you can see the fish indeed <laughs> in his shoes. Introducing a fact: those are piranhas. Those yeah. are piranhas. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Gentlemen, that's Goldman Sachs of Fish. He'll be her bodyguard. Hmm. Does he have a gun? <laughs> I'm assuming he probably has a variety of guns. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's gunned up. He's gunful. <laughs> if anything, your best bet would be to eliminate him, thus spreading that particular conglomeration of guns outward into the marketplace. Oh man, that's really fascinating. <laughs> Super fast. That's what a fascinating much. philosophy. You don't like one person owning a lot of guns. You you like more people owning several guns. <laughs> if one person hoards all the guns, then who's going to have those guns? It's just one person. So it's, wait, I'm an ambassador a of guns. Number of guns? This is the mercantilistic of... theory of guns. It's like a beaver dam in a bullet river. <laughs> you can't... I'm saying there are a number of guns to be had, and I want that to be as spread out as possible. If they all belong to him... He can't fire all those guns at once. He can fire two most too. Yeah. It's useless to each according to their need of guns. All right, I'm going to I'm going to ask. Is this my want to yes. occasionally ask a question of my my compatriots? Uh, great, that's a, a brutal hitman who is watching the daughter of the man I'm sworn to kill. This is all great. How does this help us get a crystal? Well, I we need a crystal. I would assume that the Chow family would have at least a few crystals. You'd think they are. They you do. know, one of the most powerful crime families around. Would she have a crystal? Oh, she might. That depends on what power the crystal she would have. I'm is. certainly, I'm certain that she at least has access to them. She's accustomed to a certain lifestyle. There's no way that isn't well, true. I mean, if she's a famous actress, obviously she's going to have some crystal. Also, you don't do a job like this and get paid in, in units. She'll probably be making one of those super low rent crystals for this this evening. You know. <laughs> 
Yeah, as we all do. Look, One of those we're all favorite so familiar crystals. With the crystals. As we all we know, even... all the crystals. I, I, I can name slave crystals. Uh, I can name slave crystals. So there are actual crystals in the setting. <laughs> well, we'd love uh, to hear them. If you guys, if you guys would like to roll, does anybody want to roll to see if they have knowledge <laughs> sure. of crystols? Sure. Let's absolutely. see if I've got any knowledge of crystals. I have a one. <laughs> that is no. You know nothing of crystals. So I'm pretty sure crystals are everywhere. <laughs> you can just dig them up, get them wherever you want. Right, that so would have been useful just... information in the boardroom, right? No, it's not. That's not. It, otherwise, it wouldn't work as a transaction. Everybody, make a roll here. I have an idea. Uh, three. So what I'm going to do is give you guys some misinformation about crystals. As four, meaning you have one proper crystal that you know about, in addition to gray slave crystals that everybody knows about. Um, so I will give you uh, two truths and a lie, or two lies and a truth here, mm -hmm. um, and you will have to determine in the game uh, what that could be. Um, so the crystals that you know about, uh, you know about obviously the gray crystal, which everyone mm -hmm. knows about. Um, there are the blue crystals, which are crystals of intelligence. Um, if they are given to a sentient being, uh, they grant above human intelligence to that being. If they are bonded with an, inanim an inanimate object, that they become a golem, as all crystals have the ability to make golems if bonded with inanimate sand or okay. something of that similar like. There are white crystals, which are crystals of purity. Um, they can stop any sort of like poisoning or disease, essentially restore something to its base state. And finally, there are red crystals, which are crystals of corruption. Red crystals have the ability to make a sentient or sapient being go insane um, with a rage-filled bloodlust. Uh, they also have the ability to create golems. Uh, however, those golems lose their physical form and just become beings of pure energy. And along with the red crystals, there are green crystals, which make you weak unless you're metallo, and then they power you. Yes, yes. All right. And then there are gold crystals, <laughs> one which makes you lose all of your powers. Oh, crystal crystal you crystals. <laughs> Look. There's pink crystals. So here's, here's, we have possible access to a crystal or two, right? So mm -hmm. I think that suggestions, gentlemen... Uh, we either try to befriend Sydney Chow, uh, seduce her in some way, or maybe, I mean, you know, you're both dashing fellows. My loathing for her father probably bubbles out of me too strongly for her to fall for me. Or just befriend her as a fellow artist and musician. I was going to say, normally my powers of seduction are incomparable beyond measure. After all, I am the lead singer of a band and I have shoulder-length blonde hair. However... That's true. Also, like, your, nipple, your nipples are erect all the time. 100% you of the time. And you can see through thick I know, that's ropes. really uncomfortable. Yeah. No, that's that's very much on purpose. It's amazing that it manages to get through the hair, let alone the ropes. I just... But, <laughs> but, but there it is. Thing is, she's the lead singer of a band, too. That robs me a lot of a lot of my essence. Wait, 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 wait. Does it? Or are you talking, like, team-up album? Are you talking Ooh. combination of the two? Like, you know, how those great, those great albums were like, I didn't, never thought these artists would work together. And then boom, there they are. Man, that is a really good idea. I've been, I've been just uh, messing around with the Afrofuturism thing with Ladysmith Black Mombazo, but, but yeah, I could see doing a blues space thing. Space Ladysmith Black Mombazo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> space, space Ladysmith, Space Black Mombazo. <laughs> Figure out where the adjective space goes in this game. It's very Of difficult. the cosmos. Or we kidnap her and make a crystal be the ransom. Ooh. Now that, that I feel like you'd probably appreciate because it gives you a chance to get it fat chow. It does, but I would like to not hurt her as she, I am aware, has rejected her father's criminal life, suffers the bodyguard under duress, and uh, dedicates herself to her art. I mean, and listen to her. She's fantastic. I think maybe the best thing for us to do then is to play her against her father, see if she can get us one of his crystals. Ah, Co-opt her. Yes, bring her into the gang. I mean, if nothing else, she is the greatest backup singer I've ever encountered. I am not lying in this statement. Well. How many have you encountered? Two. Us. Yes, yeah. us. Yeah, indeed. indeed. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Very few bands here on, on Libertarian, uh, let's see, Arbez. It's, it, it doesn't pay well. Yeah, it's, it's, I gotta say, uh, <laughs> part of me is glad for that moment of clarity and kind of hurt. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not like we're not trying, man. Just, yeah, but we... that does put us in the top three. I mean, right, that's, that's a good point. Bad. That is a good point. No lie. <laughs> yeah, and it's always good to have something to strive for. Uh, the market thrives on competition, or so you've been taught. Well, gentlemen, I guess I'm going to wait for the set to end and go introduce myself. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week. But don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Triniton. A huge thanks to Christian Allen for hiring us to check out this series. If you want to learn more about Triniton or pick up a copy for your own, head over to triniton.se. That's T-R-I-N-I-T-O-N dot S as in Sam, E as in Edward. If you're a game designer or a publisher and you'd like to hire OneShot to produce a series for you, send an email to gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com to inquire about our rates. A huge thanks to our guests, John Rogers and Jeff and John from System Mastery. You can check out John Rogers' current television project, The Librarians, on Hulu, and you can listen to the System Mastery podcast at systemmasterypodcast.com. Heroes, your call to action this week is to call a representative and voice your concern about a policy you believe is important. I will personally be calling to voice my opposition to any kind of Muslim registry. Our country was founded in part to guarantee people the right to practice their religion openly and freely. Requiring people of any religion to register is not only un-American, it's fascist. Calling a representative is easier and more effective than you think. You can find links to find the contact information for your representatives in the show notes. One Shot is a proud partner in the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you're an advertiser looking to reach an engaged Chicago audience, be sure to contact the co-op about advertising opportunities. And if you're a listener who wants to find new shows, try out Cinema Jaw. A film podcast where Matt Kay and Rye the Movie Guy, along with Elias Rodriguez, talk to authors, musicians, technologists, and any interesting people about their take on the movies. As always, a big thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend about the show. You can also leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. If you want to hear more from the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod. Check out our Tumblr at OneShotPodcast.tumblr.com. Check out our Google Plus community or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you're looking to inquire about advertising rates, live appearances, and commissioning episodes, or you have a question or comment about something you heard on the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a joint production between Peaches and Hot Sauce and Paracosm Press. Peaches and Hot Sauce is a Chicago-based comedy network with tons of great podcasts, videos, and live shows for you to check out at PeachesAndHotSauce.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Be Your Own Pet with Adventure, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes! Okay.